And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to go to the Word of God today. I'll be reading out of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Two, I was going to say simple verses. They're not simple. They're powerful. Two verses of Scripture. And if you have a Bible, I want to welcome you to follow with me, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, because we are going to go through and parse this verse, and we're going to feed on it today, and God is going to, I believe he's going to feed us. At least he did in the 9 o'clock, and I believe he's going to do the same in the 11 o'clock. Amen. I um, was not raised in church, and I've shared my testimony a number of times. I was not raised in church. Uh, when I did come to God at 15 years of age, it was a transformative, revolutionary experience that absolutely turned my life upside down, or I should rather say right side up. He changed me. And so when I came into the church, and from the moment I came out of the baptismal tank and my eyes were open and I realized this was what life is about, all I wanted to really do is give my life to God and to the work of God. And uh, that was a, a journey that I walked on. So 15 years of age, I can remember being a senior in high school and trying to figure out, what do I do with my life? What's the will of God for my life? I did feel a call of God to be a preacher. I did feel that call, and, and it was confirmed in a, uh, in a senior camp. And so I knew that was kind of the direction of life of what God had for me. I was contemplating and considering Bible school. At that point, I was looking at Apostolic Bible Institute. I was looking at Christian Life College in Stockton, California. I was considering a college on the East Coast called Kent College, ABI. I was looking at all, and we could really get in some controversial conversation here about which one of those. I didn't even mention Indiana Bible College. See how I did that there? Which is where my wife went. Uniquely, the Lord didn't call me to IBC. So we didn't cross paths at that point. But I do remember being a senior in high school and just really thinking about life and what do I do? How do I find the direction for my life? Um, I've mentioned to you the kind of a tyrant that my father was. And what I mean by that is I started working when I was probably 10 or 11 years old. My dad owned, uh, he was an entrepreneur, owned his own business. And so I grew up working in our family business. And uh, my dad had a rule that for every dollar that I made, this is such an oppressive rule. Every dollar that I made, 50 cents of it had to be put in the bank. Can you believe that? How cruelty, human cruelty. Every dollar that I earned, 50% of it had to go in the bank. Well, by the time I was 17 years old, I probably had uh, about $3,000 saved up. And, uh, you know, that was like at, at the turn of the 20th century. That was like 1920. Or, you know, it was a long time ago. So that was a lot of money at the time. And I, I remember, you know, kind of a unique deal, figuring out how I could try to make this work. And my dad's rule was when I turned 18, I would get that money. We figured out a way. I wanted to purchase a car, and I was into muscle cars. I like muscle cars. Muscle cars. And I remember going to a place in Pontiac, Michigan called Southern Motors. And Southern Motors were all kinds of old muscle cars that they pulled from down south. They brought them up to the north, and it was a parking lot full of Super Bs. And, oh, it was cool. GTOs and... And, uh, and I never will forget when I laid my eyes upon her. She was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen. i got to be really careful I say this. I was going to say her curves, but I'm not going to say that. <laughs> she was red. She had white racing stripes. <laughs> and, uh, and I fell in love with her, and that was when I made the purchase of my 1970 Chevelle. Racing stripes, looked like an SS. It was a Malibu dressed up like an SS. Had a 350 motor in it. It was, man, it was the coolest, coolest car. Four-speed Hurst on the floor. Never forget taking my mom for a drive in that car. She got on the bench seat in the back, and it was all slicked down. 
kind of pulled out of the car, and then I went whoop, whoop, and she's sliding all across the back seat. And that was my car. But, you know, as a senior in high school, I was seeking the will of God in my life, talking to my pastor, I'm praying about it, I'm trying to determine, discern, what does God want out of my life? I was feeling Bible school, and I thought, Lord, if you want me to go to Bible school, I don't have the money to go, so... I never will forget taking my 1970 Chevelle and parking it. I think it was 16 Mile Road in Troy, Michigan. And I parked it there. And by now it was like late July, mid to late July. And I remember getting a phone call, a guy showing up and looking at my car. And he gave me, I think, $2,200 cash for my car. And there went my 1970 Chevelle. I still have dreams about that car. Seriously, no joke that I have dreams that my car is parked out in the garage. My 1970 is out in the garage, and I open the door, and it's there. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm like weeping. And Anyway, so there went my car. But that gave me a down payment. And so in consultation with my pastor in prayer, we were trying to figure out where to go. And so I, I filled out paperwork for Christian Life College, and I received my acceptance letter back. It would have been probably mid-August. And literally, I had just enough money mid-August and about a week later, I left for Bible school, and that step changed my life. Those two years I spent in Bible school, and then my pastor asked me back to Michigan to be a youth pastor, and I agreed to do that, came back, and it was after I came back from Michigan that uh, my pastor called me one day, and he said, I've got, he said, I got a girl I want you to meet. I said, really? I said, where's she from? He said, uh, Minnesota. I said, I don't have time for that. He said, get your butt out here. You're going to meet this girl. I said, yes, sir. And the rest is, as they say, history. And so I did. I, her dad it was none other than Karma Merrick. Her dad, Brother Merrick, was teaching the camp there. And, and so we met, and that began a whole nother serious part of the life journey. And had I not come back from Bible school, gone to Bible school, then come back from Bible school, been a youth pastor, if I hadn't have met her, then we'd have never ended up in Minnesota which I never in a million years ever dreamed nor desired to be in the great state of Minnesota. But I'm here and I love it because I'm in the will of God and I wouldn't trade it for Hawaii or California. So what are you saying? I'm saying through all of this kind of circuitous turn of events and then that brought us to the Twin Cities and had I not been in the Twin Cities, I would have never got a call from a preacher named Michael Papp to come up to to Grand Rapids and, and uh, preach here, and, and the church was open, and we'd have never ended up in Grand Rapids. And, and if I'd have never got married, there'd be no Caleb, there'd be no Mariah, there'd be no Brooklyn, there'd be no Brianne. If I'd have married somebody else, there'd have been a Susie and a Johnny and a Fred or maybe none. I don't know. But what are you saying? I'm saying that we go through times in life that we say, what do I do? What's the next step for me? How do I discern and how do I determine the will of God for my life? Life at times, the journey of life is invigorating. Other times, it's challenging. Life is sometimes like a maze. We're like, what do I do next? What's my next move? What, what do I do for a career? What does my future hold? And so many of us think about our future. What's my future going to be? What, who am I going to marry? Am I going to have children? Should I branch out? Should I start a business? Should... You know, what, what do I do with my life? Should I date this person? You know, I'm developing my, my life plan. What do I do? How do I determine my next steps? How do I navigate when I'm going through trying times? What do I do when things are confusing? What should my approach be to social media? 
in a charged atmosphere. What do I do with coronavirus? Do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? What do I do? How, how do I navigate the trying times of life? Should I get married? What should my attitude be? And so my message here this morning, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, very simple. But I want to go into Proverbs. And my message this morning is the wise man's formula for life direction. The wise man's formula for life direction. The proverb writer, uniquely I've been studying, I love Proverbs. Proverbs is a powerful book. Proverbs, literally, Proverbs is a training manual that was written for the future leaders of Israel. Courtiers, administrators, future kings, future leaders. And that book was written to give them guidance and direction for up-and-coming leaders and how they are to navigate life's decisions. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Very simple, but I want you to walk through this with me here today. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Amen. I want you to notice again. Trust in the Lord. With all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. The wise man's formula for life direction. How do I know what to do in my future? How do I know what my next steps are? Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived, said that if you are going to have a bountiful future, if you're going to have a future with direction and promise. He said, I'm going to give you a formula. It's so simple. It's two verses. It's components that if you will put them into your life. He said, I'm going to give you a recipe. I'm going to give you a prescription, and I'm going to give you the ability on how to know to make the next steps, decisions of life that will ultimately bring you to a bountiful future harvest and to the will of God for your life ultimately. Are you ready? What's the first thing he said? He said, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. I would say today, I've got a number of books in my, in my library, my leadership library rather, and it's unique that they all come, many of them come to the same conclusion. If you're going to build a team, there's a lot of attributes if you're going to have a team. If you're going to have a team, you have to have good communication. That means people got to be able to talk with one another. They got to be able to be candid in their conversation. You're going to have a good marriage, you got to have good communication. But do you know, before communication, the foundation of any team, the foundation must be trust. You can't have a good marriage if you don't have trust. Come on, somebody. Come on. You, you, you can't. How do you have good working relationships at work if you don't trust? the people that you work with, if you don't trust your boss? How can you be an active, strong, healthy participant in a local church if you can't trust your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? It all boils down to trust. And I, I will be very candid here on this Sunday morning that right now in 21st century America, we are having a tremendous breakdown of trust. And the truth of the matter is, 
I mean, we got a lot of things that are up for grabs right now. Righteousness is up for grabs, and, and uh, dishonesty is ruling in the public arena. The media is, has shown themselves to be corrupt as rotten fruit. And you say, where do you get any direction from? It used to be that we had a sense of confidence that we could read a newspaper or the journalist would give us the skinny and we could read up on it and then we could become educated. I don't know about you, and I'm in a position right now where I've shut off my media because I'm so sick of the stinking liars that couldn't tell the truth standing on the Bible looking at Jesus. Everything is twisted. Everything is contorted. And you ask yourself the question, where can I go to get some genuine bona fide truth? I mean, you could Google it, right? And you know all the searches and the algorithms are all biased in a certain direction. And it's like, where do I go? Where can I go for my news? Where can I go for direction? There's an all-time breakdown of trust in our world right now. The institutions of our world are not trusted hardly anymore. Trust is at an all-time low. So we ask ourselves the question, who do I trust? What do I do? Where do I go to find some genuine direction in life? I got good news for the church of the living God on this Sunday morning. I'll tell you where you can go. You can trust in the Lord. You can trust in the Lord. Institutions may fail you. The media may not be true. Big tech may not be a place that we can go to get genuine, truthful things. But I got good news today. There is still a God. He's never going to lie. He's never going to die. He's never going to fail. He's never going to change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you can take it to the bank. If he says it, he means it. If he proclaims it and promises it, it shall come to past I can trust in the Lord if I'm going to have a future that's going to be blessed the very first step in that equation is trust in the Lord the word in the Hebrew is batak b-a-t-a-c-h it carries with it the idea of feeling secure being unconcerned to be safe and without care a confident and quiet security, a reliability, if you will, a dependability. I want you to know something this morning, that God is trustworthy. He is reliable. You know, you, you may break down on the side of the road and you go into your trunk and you pull out that spare tire and that spare tire is flat and you thought, shoot, I thought I could trust in my spare tire. You, you may have relationships that you put confidence in. And all you've been met with maybe is disappointment and instability. I want you to know today, though, there's a lot of people in our world that are dealing with trust issues. Do I trust this? Can I trust this? Maybe you were raised in a family, unfortunately, where you weren't given the love and the acceptance that you needed. And you've wandered and meandered through life, struggling and stumbling and trying to figure out can I trust this person? And you've got trust issues and you've got confidence issues and being able to put your confidence in people and, and you've been disappointed by life. But let me tell you something. Our God, you can trust in Him because He's a dependable God. He's a reliable God. You can depend on Him in the morning. 
You can depend on him at noontime. You can depend upon him at night. You can trust in the Lord. You simply have to believe that. You can trust in the Lord. I don't mean that that means that everything is always going to work out the way that I want it to work out. That doesn't mean that God's always going to do what I want him to do. Because I learned a long time ago, God is not my butler. He is not my vending machine. He's not there to just give me what I want, want, want. He's not my cosmic teddy bear nor my cosmic Santa Claus. But I'll tell you what he is. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. He's a dependable God. And I can be confident that he's a righteous God. And what that means is no matter what happens in life, he's always going to do the right thing. And he never fails. And I can put my confidence in him. And I can believe. And I can trust in the Lord. Now when you come to God, we've probably got some new believers in here. We come to God. I remember as a new believer when I came to the Lord and I was filled with the Holy Ghost. I was so excited. Oh my goodness. Every single prayer meeting, every single Sunday morning service, Sunday night service. Oh Jesus, give us Sunday nights back. It's going to happen very soon. I prophesy this too shall pass. It will, we'll be back. It's going to happen. Every Sunday night, every prayer meeting. And I was so thankful when I thought about how lost I was and what Jesus did for me and turning and changing my life. I was just, I was eating up with this whole thing. I was amazed. I was mesmerized at the mystery and the power and the goodness of God. But let me tell you something also. I want to thank God for every, every pillar in the church. That you're not a new convert anymore. Five years have gone by. And ten years, a decade has gone by. And two decades have gone by. And now you've been serving God 30 years. And you got a few gray hairs. And you've been serving God 40 years. And you've been serving God five decades. Because let me tell you what the seasoned saint of God can tell us. The new convert can jump up and down and say, oh, the mercy of God. Oh, the miracle. My life has been changed. But the stable, strong, pillar saint of God can stand and say, let me tell you what, though. God's been faithful. He's been faithful to me. I remember when I was having a struggle way back when with my children. But guess what? God got me through. And I remember when we were struggling with our finances, wondering how we were going to pay the bills. And out of nowhere, God showed up. I remember when I fought that sickness about 20 years ago. Maybe you say I had cancer. But guess what? The Lord brought me through. And I can remember that other time I was struggling through that spiritual struggle. And I didn't know if I was going to make it. But God got me through. And so the, the seasoned saint of God can stand to their feet, throw their hands in the air, and say, thank God. He's a dependable God. He's a faithful God. I've learned to trust in the Lord, and I have found him to be true, and I have found him to be faithful. Amen. The proverb writer said, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. What does that mean? That means when I come up against trials in life and I prophesy, if you're not in one, you're going to be in one. If you're not in one, you're coming out of one. You ought to thank God either way. But I can, I can promise you this, that no matter what you go through, at some point in time, you make up your mind, I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm not going to throw up. I'm not going to pass out. I'm not going to commit mental suicide. Come on, somebody. When trouble comes my way, my life is on the rock. 
I've learned to trust in Jesus. After intense trials in life, faith will not be intimidated by anything or anyone because faith says, I've learned to trust in God. And I have found that I can trust in the Lord and come what may. I've got a God that's gotten me through not once, not twice, but many times I've got a God. Oh, yes. Oh, hallelujah. In fact, could it be said that one of the great testimonies is not your spiritual birthday? It is one of the great testimonies. January the 11th, 1987. Jesus washed my sins away and Jesus changed my life. Let me tell you a testimony just as great is to be able to say, Jesus didn't just save me that day, but Jesus has saved me over and over and oh yeah I got saved on that day but then I got saved on this day and I got saved again and Jesus delivered me from this and Jesus helped me here and God lifted me up when I thought there was no hope when I was in a mire of despair I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears and I can now say that God has saved me not once but he saved me over and over again and I can trust in the Lord. It's what the proverb writer said in the beginning. If you're going to have a bountiful future, you've got to learn how to, how to trust in the Lord. This is a poem. It's called I Refuse. It says, I refuse to be discouraged, to be sad or to cry. I refuse to be downhearted, and here's the reason why. I have a God who's mighty, who's sovereign and supreme. I have a God who loves me, and I am on his team. He is all wise and powerful. Jesus is his name. Though everything is changeable, my God remains the same. My God knows all that's happening, beginning to the end. His presence is my comfort. He is my dearest friend. When sickness comes to weaken me, to bring my head down low, I call upon my mighty God, and to his arms I go. When circumstances threaten to rob me of my peace, he draws me close unto his breast where all my striving cease. When my heart melts within me and weakness takes control, he gathers me into his arms. He soothes my heart and soul. The great I am is with me. My life is in his hand. The Son of God is my hope. It's in his strength I stand. I refuse to be defeated. My eyes are on my God. He has promised to be with me as through this life I trod. I'm looking past all of my circumstances to heaven's throne above. My prayers have reached the heart of God. I'm resting in his love. Listen, I give God thanks in everything. My eyes are on his face. Listen, the battle his, the victory's mine. He'll help me win the race. He'll help me win the race. The proverb writer said, if I'm going to have a God-blessed directed future, if I want my future to be secure, the beginning thing I've got to learn how to do is trust in the Lord. Now, notice the next part of what he says here. Trust in the Lord with part of your heart. Wait a second. With 70% of your heart. Well, trust in the Lord with 88.6% of your heart. Well, just give him a little bit of it. That's all he needs. Just give him a little bit. What did he say? Trust in the Lord with all of thine heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. I trust Him with my finances. I trust Him with my marriage. I trust Him with Corona cares. 
oh, we got to deal with this for a little while because we got both sides of the fence. What are we going to do about Corona? What's the church going to do about Corona? The church is going to do with Corona what it's done with any other challenge that's ever faced the church. We're going to trust in the Lord. Come on, somebody. We're going to do the wise thing. Oh, yes, we are. If that means wearing a mask, we'll do it. No big deal. I'm past it. I'm so past it. I don't care about your opinion. You don't care about mine. We're just sick of talking about it. That's fine. But what we're not going to do, and I want to be very careful, Church of the Living God, this is a virus. We're not going to hide away in some cave somewhere. We're not going to freak out. Oh, my goodness, what's going to happen with me? As a matter of fact, I am a survivor. I've had it, and I'm over it, and I'm extra special because I got antibodies now. It didn't take me out because nothing can take me out unless Jesus allows it to take me out. So I'm not going to live in fear. Well, should we go to church? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And remember the scripture in parentheses it says, unless there's a virus called coronavirus. You see what I did there? You see what I did? I'm going to lay out a church until coronavirus is over. That makes a lot of sense. Ah, I found somebody. Amen. I thought we were the people that believed that Jesus can do anything. I thought we were Pentecostal. I thought we believed in the power of the Holy Ghost. I thought we believed that Jesus still heals the sick. I thought we believed that he raises the dead. I thought that we believed that Jesus can save anybody from anything, anywhere, in any way. I thought that's what we believed. Oh, correct, except coronavirus. Come on, give me a break. Let me tell you what, this is what I know. This is not... This is not prophecy. This is just what I know. Okay, are you ready? This is what I know. And I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet. I've just studied enough history to know. Listen, if the Lord tarries, I don't know when it's going to happen, but this is going to pass. I don't know if it's going to be a week or a month or six months or another eight months or, God forbid, we listen to the prophets of doom and gloom another year. I don't know. I don't know. All I'm going to tell you is, listen, you got to get your head screwed on right, and you got to know this is going to pass. This is going to pass. The more important thing is... What am I going to do until it comes to pass? When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith in the earth? Is he going to find faith? Is he going to find people that are trusting in him? Or is he going to find a decrepit, poor, miserable church bride hobbling around saying, Oh, I'm scared of coronavirus. I'm scared. No, listen, I understand. Be wise. Be wise. We understand this, right? We don't want any of our elders to get sick. We don't want that to happen. But, man, this thing is a virus, folks. It's a virus. You do your best. I know some of the people that have tried the hardest that ended up getting it. They're playing by all the rules. I'm not saying be reckless. I'm not saying be stupid. We'll do our part. What are you saying? we got to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, with 100% of our heart. No matter what comes may, whatever happens, I'm going to trust in the Lord 100%. All of my heart, all of my heart. All of my heart. 
That's what he said. That's what he said. The, 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 the components, the prescription, the recipe. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Are you ready? What's the next part say? And lean not unto thy own understanding. Sometimes that's just as tough as trusting God. There are some people that are going to live their lives by this mantra. Are you ready? Well, I think. Well, I think. Well, I think this. Well, I think that. As if the whole world was centrifugal around their great, big, beautiful, blessed opinion. Well, I think. Well, I think this. Well, well, you know what? You think in two bucks will buy you a cup of coffee. Well, I think this. Well, I think this. Well, I think this. Well, I think this. Guess what? God doesn't care what you think. (laughs) Did I say something? (laughs) Basically, there are two major, there are only probably two wills. People talk about the devil and all that. Listen, the devil devil ain't got nothing on you. There's only the primary competition, listen, for the will of God is my will. I'm going to say it again. The primary competition for the will of God is my will, what I think, what I want. So basically, there's only two major options for whose understanding I'm going to lean on. I'm going to lean on my understanding or I'm going to lean on God's understanding. You say, why is that important? Because there's going to come a time in your walk with God. In the beginning, like I said, your new convert coming to church. Yes, man, I got the Holy Ghost. Dun, 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 dun. You're like the Pentecostal pogo on the front row. You're, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, the Word of God's going to come forward. All of a sudden, you're going to be in a time of prayer and conviction's going to come. And all of a sudden, there's going to be a concept. And you're like, well, I don't agree with that. I don't, I don't agree with that. And God's like, okay, well, if you don't agree with that, I'll change my mind then. Okay. In other words, you're God, and I'll be subservient to you. Word of God is like, give God the tithe. Give God 10% of your income. And you're like, in your mind, you're like, 10%. That's, that means like I got 90% left. And with 90%, you don't get it. I'm having a hard time making it on the 90%. If I give the 10% to God then how in the world am I going to live on 90? (laughs) And God says, don't lean to your own understanding because I'm up to something bigger than your money. Because God says, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. He knows where every vein of silver and gold is. God needs you like he needs polio. God needs you like your money like he needs nothing. God doesn't need your money. He owns everything everywhere. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But what God wants to know is God says, I want somebody that recognizes my ownership in their life. I want somebody that puts more faith in me than they do their mammon. I want somebody that's going to put their trust in me. And the child of God says, okay, I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to follow the will of God. And they follow the will of God. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, God takes their 90%, and their 90% goes further than the original 100% because I've learned to trust in God. I've learned not to lean to my own understanding, but to acknowledge the Lord. 
in all of my ways. So the new believer comes to the Lord and all of a sudden conviction comes and, and, he, and, and he begins to recognize, I can't, I can't be a pornographer and be a Pentecostal at the same time. That's right. How, so what do I, man, how in the world? But he learns, I'm going to lean not to my own. God, if that's, if that's your will, then I'm going to do your will. That young person is in church and they're living for God. And the scripture says uh, that we shouldn't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I don't know why I really feel like preaching. You know why? I know why. I didn't preach last week. That's why. Double time. Man, I'm feeling it here today. Amen. I feel like being a pastor this morning. And so the young person is like, well, how is that going to work out? You, you're saying I don't date outside of church? I'll never get a husband. I'll never get a wife. You don't know. I look around. There's no available Pentecostal Christians. There's nothing around me that, that fit the bill. I, I'd never get married then. I guess i got to do it my way. Let me tell you one thing. You do it your way. Like, what's the singer? I'm sorry. I did it my way. Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. Good luck. See how it works out. No. What you learn is, I'm going to do it God's way. When you do it God's way, you set yourself up for God's blessing. God's blessing. I'm going to do it God's way. I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. Well, I think, and God's like, okay. He said, the primary competition for the will of God is our will. The truth of the matter is, in the process, listen, of trusting God, it will lead us to things sometimes that defy our logical reasoning. How does that work? But what I'm learning, I'm learning to follow the will of God. Because my understanding is finite, but his understanding is infinite. My understanding is sometimes wrong, but his understanding is always right. Come on, let's have a little confession here on this Sunday morning. Are you ready? It's going to be confession times. How many times have you been so sure of something only to realize later that you were wrong? Mm-hmm. Let's all say it together. Are you ready? This is like therapy. I was wrong. Yeah, I was. I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. You know why sometimes our understanding can be faulty? Sometimes we see through a glass darkly. I'm not saying that we're not rational intelligent. What I'm saying is this. What I'm saying is that God's rule, God's will, God's revealed word, God's plan is always going to be superior to my thoughts. And when they run contrary to my thoughts, then at that point I say I'm not leaning to my own understanding. Listen up. I'm going to help somebody here this morning. You're living for God and your marriage gets in trouble and your understanding says I'd be happier single. Lean not to your own understanding. Stick with your marital vow and fulfill the will of God for your life. That's good preaching right there. When you feel like throwing in the towel and just giving up and you're like, I've been living for God and it's been so hard and, I, man, I'm struggling, and your understanding says, well, I might as well just give up on God. No, that's when you don't lean to your own understanding. You know why? Listen, folks, because sometimes we don't have all of the facts 
Sometimes we think we have all the facts, but we don't. Sometimes I have facts that are wrong. Sometimes my judgment is off. But God's judgment is always right, always. His judgment is always right. Let God be true and every man a liar. God is always going to be true. One of the things I've had to learn in counseling and working with people, here, I'm going to, tell, I'm going to give you, this is free. This is going to help you out. This is really going to help you out. Sometimes you sit down and you talk with somebody and you hear, you hear, let's say it like this, one side of the story and all of a sudden you hear all and you're like, oh my goodness, man, I can't believe it. And it's like that. And all of a sudden you have this whole view. And this is what I've learned though. Until you get the other person in the room and then you get the other side of the story and then you're like, whoa, <laughs> sure glad I didn't work on limited information. Because our understanding is finite. Sometimes I don't have all the facts. Sometimes my judgment can be off. Well, I think this, I think that. I'm going to preach a series in January on Malachi probably. Malachi's message, powerful message. Do you realize in the book of Malachi, it's only four chapters long. In four short chapters of Malachi, it's the last book of the Old Testament, and it's like the people didn't listen, and then God stopped talking. 400 years of science. God's like, I, I got nothing more to say to you because I already said it, and you're not listening. In the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, 11 times, God's 11 times in four chapters, God said, but you say this, and I say this. You say this, and then God said, but I'm saying this, 11 times in four short chapters. If you allow me to just summarize it, it's like this. God's God is listening, they're like, well, I think this, well, I think this, well, I think this, well, I think this. And God's like, yeah, but what you think is not the supreme judgment. But God said, this is what I think. This is what I think. And that's why at the end of the day, the proverb writer says to have a God-blessed future. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to their own understanding. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying we need God's perspective. We need the perspective of God. We need God's perspective in all things, church. That's why we pray. That's why, listen up, folks, you and I both, we need a prayer life. We need a prayer life. There's too much at stake here. We need a prayer life. Come on, a relationship with God, a connection with God, a place where I can come and I can bow my knees and I can submit my will. We need to spend more time on our knees sometimes. What's that saying? That's saying you're God. You're superior. I'm inferior. You're great. You're the king. I'm the servant. Lord, I submit myself to you. I need a prayer life. Why? Because I need God's perspective. If not, all I'm going to have is my own perspective. I need a prayer life. I need the Word of God. Thank God for the Word of God. I'll tell you what, there's one benefit. I, I mean, this season I haven't particularly enjoyed. <sighs> Past eight months, wow. That's all fine, though. God's got a plan. He knows what he's, I don't exactly know, but he knows. He knows. But I'll tell you one thing I've found. i found a deeper connection in the Word of God. Thank God for this Word. Come on, saints of God, all of us, we need a connection in the Word of God. Come on, saints of God. Come on, we need a connection in the Word of God, don't we? A time of prayer, the Word of God. I, I need to read this Word. It's been so fulfilling. Find some things to study. I've been studying the book of Proverbs inside and out. I got multiple commentaries I'm reading through and, and Malachi and so many. This book is rich. And I'll tell you what this book will do. This book will give you God's perspective. It'll give you God's viewpoint, God's vantage point, so that I can get his perspective in things. 
I need prayer. I need the word of God. I need a pastor in my life. I need a man of God in my life. I need spiritual leadership in my life. That's a little bit weak. I would never make a major life decision in my life without consulting spiritual leadership. I found that to be true over and over again. Submit and obey to them that have the rule over you. What is, what is this saying there? It's attitude, and it's, man, because if you don't do that, you're going to be missing out on such a great component in life. A wise man will hear and increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. I want wise counsel in my life. I want prayer. I need the word of God. I need spiritual leadership. Why do I need that? Because I I don't want to lean to my own understanding. If I lean to my own understanding, I'm going to mess this thing up. One thing I know about me is I'm really good at messing things up. I am, man. I can mess things up good, and I can do it royally well. I I, I need God. Lean not to my own understanding. Amen. What's the next part say? In all thy ways. In all thy ways. Notice what it says, ways. In all thy ways. It's very interesting. i got a number of verses here. I'm going to try to go as quickly as I can. But God makes a point. It's very interesting. He uses this word ways. In all thy ways. In all of thy ways. In all thy ways. I want you to know something about the Lord. He is very interested in your ways. I'm going to prove it to you in the scripture. He's interested. He's watching all of our lives. He is watching our ways. How are we at work? How are we in the morning? How are we with our family? How are we in our marriage? Watch Psalm 139 and 3. Thou compasseth my path and my lying down and art acquainted. Notice what the psalmist said. Art acquainted with my ways. He said, you know my ways. You're acquainted with my ways. Isaiah 55 8 and 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, says God. Neither are your ways, God said, my ways. He said, your ways aren't my ways. This is an indictment, a correction to the people of God, to, to Israel. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are, notice what he says again, my ways higher than your ways. Jeremiah 7 and 3, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. What did he say? He said to Israel, amend your ways. Amend your ways. Ezekiel 18 and 30, therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways. See, God's watching the ways. He's saying amend ways. He said, your ways and my ways, they need to be the same. Haggai 1 and 5, he says, now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. That's why the proverb writer says, in all thy ways. I'm going to ask you a question here, and I want you to consider it with me this morning. What do you think a backslider is? When you think about a backslider, what's a backslider? What does a backslider act like? What do they talk like? What what does a backslider live like? What do you think about a backslider? A backslider is someone that's known God, right? They've been in the church. They live for God. You know, the Lord saved them, and then they backslid. They slid backwards. They went back into their old life, right? They went back into their old life. They were a Christian, but then they went back to just being the way they were before. They're just doing the same thing. What do we think of? Probably out partying again. Probably maybe smoking dope, you know, maybe they're hanging out at the bar, they're, you know, they're toking and smoking and lying and cheating, and maybe, maybe they just went back into their old life. I want to give you what the Bible says God's perspective of the backslider is, all right? Notice Proverbs 14 and 14. The backslider in heart, notice with me, shall be filled with his own ways. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. How does God look at the backslider? What is God's perspective? 
definition of, of God's definition of a backslider is it's just, they're just, it's all about them. It's about their ways. I'm going to do it my way. This is what I think. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I don't have to go to church. I don't have to do anything. I can, I can do this. I believe in God. I'll do it my way. God said the definition of a backslider, I mean, we know the ultimate end result. They'll probably be back in sin. They'll probably be, maybe be smoking dope, maybe living immoral. Maybe, you know, God just, you know, taking a back seat in their life. They, they very well even may say, well, I believe in God. Let me tell you how to be a good backslider. You want to be a good backslider? It's all about what I think. Well, I think this. I think this. I think this. You want to be a good child of God? Acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways. It's not what I think. It's what does God think? What is God's perspective? What does God want? What is God's will? What is God's plan? What is, what is God's desire for mine? What is God's? Because he's God and I'm not. He's the ruler, the king, the potentate, the great king of kings and lord of lords. And I bow my will. God doesn't want us not to have a will. He wants us to exercise our will toward him. Notice what it says, though. Are you ready? In all the, he said, in all your ways. That means in all my ways and everything. That means in the morning, at night. That means in all my ways. How do I deal with this? I'm gonna, I, let, let, me, let me say it like this. I don't want to just be a Sunday Pentecostal. I don't want to just be a Sunday Pentecostal. What's a Sunday Pentecostal? Let me say it this way because it will maybe make it a little easier for us. It's, and I don't mean this as an indictment against any other religion. I've just talked to a lot of people. I've talked to Catholic people, and this is what, this is what they've told me. This is what Catholic people have told me. Many of them have told me, hey, the thing about it, man, is you just you do your thing during the week. So on Saturday night, we're at the bar. We're running around with women. We're getting drunk. But when we go to church on Sunday, we just take communion. We take communion. Then we're fair and square, and everything's good. You know, then we're right. And then Monday through Saturday, we just party down and honky-tonk and run like, wow, people do our thing. But then we can go to church Sunday, we take communion, and we're good. You know what the Pentecostal form of that is? The Pentecostal form of that is Monday through Saturday, I do whatever I want to do, I live how I want to live, I do my thing, and then I just come to church on Sunday, and I repent, and I cry, and I speak in tongues. Oh, Jesus, help me here, please. And I just do, I, and that, but then Monday through Saturday I do whatever, but then I'll come to church Sunday. Listen, I don't want a Sunday religion. I want a Monday walk with God and a Tuesday walk with God and a Wednesday walk with God and a Thursday walk with God. And I'm praying and I'm submitting my will to his will. And I'm acknowledging the Lord in all of my ways. I'm acknowledging him in all of my ways. That's why I need prayer in my life. I need prayer in my life. I want a prayer life. I want a prayer life. God, give us a church filled with people that have prayer lives. That means Monday and Tuesday. I'm seeking God. Wednesday, I got a prayer life. I'm walking with God more than just Sunday. I'm talking to God. I'm in the Word of God in my life. I'm studying the Word of God. In all of thy ways, acknowledge Him. I want to acknowledge God in all of my ways. Now, that word acknowledge, that word acknowledge is a Hebrew word. It's Y-A-D-A. Y-A-D-A, it's yada, yada. It, like if somebody were to say yada, 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 that's a, spelled the same way, yada, yada. Acknowledge, acknowledge the Lord, yada the Lord. What does that mean? In the Hebrew, what it means is to be intimately acquainted with, to be aware of, to comprehend, to consider, to discern, to discover. It is all, the word is also used as a familiar friend. 
a yada is a familiar friend. So when he says, yada, in all thy ways, yada, acknowledge the Lord. In all your ways, acknowledge the Lord. In all of your ways, in every part of your life, have him as a familiar friend. In all the ways of your life, discover what he wants and be discerning what his will is. Comprehend the desires of God. Consider what the Lord wants. To trust in the Lord means to acknowledge God. That means in a daily way. I'm in the word of God. I'm in prayer. That the way I live my life matters. The movies that I watch matter to God. I mean, I don't just check out when I'm watching a movie and be like, it doesn't matter. You know, if there's a bunch of obscenity and there's, there's, there's fornicating and there's, there's drinking and partying and, you know, just worldly behavior. and No, it says in all your ways acknowledge. That means in my entertainment, I, I'm going to acknowledge God. Amen? That means my thought life, the way I think throughout the day. And, man, we're assaulted and barraged with all kinds of things in life. But, oh, I'm going to acknowledge the Lord. I want to do things God's way. I want God in my family. I want God in my marriage. I want God in my attitude. In all of my ways. In all of my ways. In In my apparel, the clothing that I wear every day. Contrary to popular opinion. Since when did popular opinion have anything to do with the church? You know, this is what I find a little unique about this. For years, for years, the world told the church, oh, you people are too conservative. For years, the world told the church, oh, you people, you make such a big deal out of that stuff. But this is what the church knows. What the church knows is God is always right. Even if the whole world is wrong, the world is always right. We're not trying to impress the world We're trying to please God. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to please God. I don't don't mean that with an attitude. I don't have an edge when I say that. It's just that's the truth, though, and I've got to have that squared away in my own head. I'm not out to impress. People aren't going to understand you. They're not going to understand me, and that's okay. The world is going to be the world. But what I've got to do is I've got to be in the Word. And what what does God think about this? People, you say, oh, you people make such a big deal out of that, you know, You people are so conservative. That dress stuff, it really doesn't matter. Oh, really? It doesn't matter, huh? When God said, man shall not wear that which pertaineth to a woman, neither shall a woman wear that which pertaineth to a man. Oh, that was was so Elizabethan. That was so out of touch, out of date. And for years, the church preached that when you have a blurring and you have a blending of the sexes, that it screws everything up. And here we are. We're living in a world. It's not just homosexuality. That's small potatoes anymore. Now we got transgenderism. We've got everything is mixed up and messed up at the very core nature of people's sexual identity and their gender identity. This blurring has gone beyond all of that. And it's now the fundamental makeup and nature of man has been challenged and perverted, which is what the devil always does. So the church was right to stand by the word of God. At some point, point, the church has to redefine reality to a lost and dying world. We're not trying to impress the world. We're trying to please God and bring the world back to a knowledge of truth and the Word of God. And that's going to set us apart. But if we're going to have a God-directed future, in all thy ways acknowledge Him. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. Now notice the last part of this verse. As I begin to wrap this up, this is what's amazing to me. The majority of people, I would say, in life, they go to the last part of that verse and they make that their goal. In other words, in other words, 
What's my future hold? Where will I be in five years? What is God's will for my life? Who will I marry? What's my career going to be? Do I start a new business? What do I do with my life? Where will I be in the future? What is my ministry? What's interesting is the proverb writer makes all of those things last. What are you saying? I'm saying that if I trust in the Lord with all my heart, if I lean not to my own understanding, if I acknowledge the Lord in all of my ways, notice, God said, God said that he would direct our paths. feel the Holy Ghost. It's the answer to it all. What about my future? How's this going to work out? What about my children? What about my life? What about my career? What about, what do I do about this? And God's like, that's the byproduct. And the cool thing, God says, if you'll do this part, capital G-O-D, God said, I will direct your paths. He will direct your paths. I don't have time. There's so much. I've got to cut all this out. All I'm going to do your homework. There are two words that you find in tandem throughout the Bible. Ways and paths. Ways and paths. Ways and paths. Ways and you find it over and over again. Ways and paths. Ways and paths. The two words are together. And they're together in this verse. And what that means is, if you'll acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, your ways, your ways, that's your heart, that's your life, that's your decisions, that's your marriage, that's your occupation, that's your vocation, that's all of your, your thought life. That's your, if you acknowledge the Lord in your ways, ways and paths go together. You take care of the ways, that means the governing of this heart on a daily basis. And God said, I'll take care of your paths. Now, what's a path? What does that mean? A path. Think about a path. What's a path? A path is, when I went to elementary school, I went to Shalm Elementary School. It's a couple blocks from where I grew up. So I, every morning I would get up, I, I would walk my way to school. When I got to school, there's a great big fence around that elementary school. And when you walk through that, that break in the fence, you walk, there was a path that was there. And little tiny little feet had been walking that, that same path for decades. And it was, there was grass everywhere, but there was a well-worn pathway where kids had just, year after year, they'd been walking that path. So when I'd go to school, I'd walk that path. Kids would ride their bikes on that path. It was a well-worn pathway. Think of a shepherd leading sheep. It says he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. What is a path? It's a well-worn walkway. Maybe as a child you had a path you would walk through the woods. Maybe a favorite shortcut across someone's yard. A path. Think about it, folks. There's a lot of paths that people are walking. And this, this is the nutshell. you got to get this. Are you ready? Your ways determine your path. Your ways determine the path. So if your ways are doping, running, lying, cheating, smoking, drinking, it think, I just think about that. Just th I mean, if that's my ways, if that's what I do, isn't it amazing that I hang with all kinds of other people that do the same thing? And we're all walking the same path. But God said, 
God said, I'm going to put you on a different path. It's going to be a path of blessing, a path of anointing, a path of peace, a path of joy, a path void of a lot of drama. It's going to be a path. You're going to see your kids raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. They're going to walk a path. But God said, the answer to the God-blessed future is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. And the result is, and he shall direct thy path. Hmm. I look back, musicians, you can come, I'm done. I look back over my own life and I think, what would my life have been like if I would have made some different decisions? And the thing is, I mean, you know, you're not a captive audience. It's like the meme, I like it so much. And it's, it's a church environment. It says there's a fine line between a, uh, I forget how it says, a church service and a hostage environment or hostage situation or something. <laughs> Listen, if you live for God, you're not a hostage. You, you, you can come or you can go. Jesus literally said, whosoever will. Your choice. The really cool thing about it is to think, and I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm not saying we do everything 100. We're not 100%. We're not. Sometimes it's like a child learning how to walk. We stumble before we walk, before we run, before we sprint. Sometimes we stumble before we, we really get it together. I get that. But at the end of the day, it is amazing how if we will, if we will acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways, it's amazing how our life begins to take on a different character that leads us, listen, that leads us to a complete different destination. Totally different. I look back over my life and I think, what would what would have happened? What would happen if I'd have married that beautiful blonde that I thought I was gonna marry as a teenager? Whoa. What would have happened had I not followed God to Bible school? What would have happened had I not, you know, listened to my pastor who had a good enough sense to know what I didn't know at 21 years old? Come out and meet this girl. What would have happened if I wouldn't have met her? What would have happened if we wouldn't have moved to the Twin Cities? What would have happened had we not heard the call of God to come here? There would be no Caleb Lichtel. There'd be no... Mariah, there'd be no Brooklyn, there'd be no Brianne, there'd be, I don't, who, who knows? Because God says, though, if you'll acknowledge the Lord in all thy ways, he shall direct thy path. Mm. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. And I just feel like reminding someone here today, just acknowledge God in all your ways. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. And God can give you a future unlike anything you've ever seen before. I 
feel a subtlety of God's presence here today. Can we reach out to the Lord today, congregation, church? Let's reach out to the Lord today. Oh, hallelujah. This is the equation, oh God. This is the recipe. This is the prescription. This is it. Wonderful God. Thank you so much for the promises of God that are yea and amen. It's been delivered, Lord, to us. The promises of God. The promises of a bountiful, beautiful future in life. Oh God, we're so thankful. Holy Ghost, you're guiding us. You're leading us. You're making our lives something of significance and blessing. And that's what we want, oh Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. I pray the wonderful hand of God today to continue. Thank you for your presence that leads us, Lord. It leads us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Oh, great God. Hallelujah, Lord. Encourage the wonderful church today to prayer, to the word, to commitment, to consecration, to fellowship, to the plan, to the promises of God. And Lord, to know that, Jesus, you will put us on the right paths. In the name of Jesus, let's stand together today. Let's worship him. Oh, hallelujah.